Good morning, Central Nazarene. We are so glad that you can be here and are worshiping with us today. Uh, Pastor Amanda alluded to it. Some of you have seen um, what's going on at Asbury. Don't you want that for us? No, I'm serious. I, I mean, a spirit moved service life challenge. We've got our five, try five challenge. How about this? A spirit-filled challenge where, where not only are we transformed, but we leave that place, this place, transforming wherever we may happen to be. Transforming your school. Imagine a revival taking place that transforms your high school. Could you imagine that? No, seriously, could you imagine that? Think of the worst kid in your school, uh, you know, finding Jesus, being transformed. Think of your workplace. Imagine that. What would happen if that happens? We've been talking about what would happen if that happens. It's the fruit of the Spirit, right? We, we've talked about love and joy today, peace. Imagine how God could move and work. And God wants that. We know God wants his spirit to move, not just here, but then through us in our community. Of course, God wants that. And imagine if that would take place. Well, if Paul tells us what needs to take place for us to experience that fruit of the spirit, remember, it's not fruits, a plural, but fruit, singular, love, joy, peace, patience. Some versions say long-suffering, we don't like to use that suffering in that word. Goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Paul says, for that to happen, those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's what God wants for you. Love and joy and peace and patience and onward. Not only is that God's call for us as the Spirit moves in us as we're in step with the Spirit and we are filled with the Spirit, but those are also the characteristics of God Almighty himself. Our youngest preschoolers know this. God is love, right? That's the first Bible verse they learn. God is love. And last week we talked about joy and how everything, the creation story just bursts with joy, that we serve a joyful God. He created it, and it was very good. And today, peace. God is a God of peace. Frequently, Paul will, will refer to God that way uh, in his letters. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, But God himself, the God of peace, will sanctify you through and through. In Philippians, Paul calls on those believers to follow after him, and he says, Whatever you've learned or heard, received or heard from me, seen in me, put it into practice. And what happens? And the God of peace will be with you. But my favorite is his words and instructions in Romans chapter 16. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under his feet. Our God is victorious. So we want, we want this, this God of peace to do a work in us. We've, we've talked about the last two weeks. It's the same as this week. It's not something where you grit your teeth and say, all right, I'm going to try harder to be more peaceful. No, it's God's spirit at work in us enabling us to exude his peace. All right, this morning, here's your outline for the morning. 
uh, we're going to talk peace with God, the peace of God, and peace on earth. Then we're going to circle back around. So there's your, 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 your outline for, for what we're talking about. Peace with God. You've heard that phrase. People say that. I'm at peace with God. And usually what they mean is that, the, that they, they know that they are saved. They know that they are going to heaven. They are at peace with God. I remember visiting a guy in the hospital years ago now, probably 20 years ago. And he, he was uh, a good guy, a good father, a good husband, but he really didn't have much to do with faith. I think he came to church, you know, Easter time maybe. I really didn't know him all that well, and his family called me up. He was terminal. He was dying of cancer, and they were very worried for him that he had never really made a relationship, a confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. And so they asked if I'd go to the hospital, and I did, and we went in, we talked a little bit. And before we got very far in the conversation, he said, Preacher, I just want you to know, I've made my peace with God. And I didn't know exactly if he meant exactly what I mean when I say that. So I said, well, tell me about that. What do you mean when you say you've made your peace with God? He said, well, I was laying here in bed, I was thinking about my life. I know things, you know, that I've thought and the things that I've done throughout my life. And I realized that if I wanted to go to heaven, I needed to get things straight with God. And so I just asked him and, and, and talked with him and, and told him what, everything that happened in my life and how I needed him if I was going to go to heaven. I said, well, that sounds like peace with God to me. You know, he didn't need a preacher giving him the four spiritual laws. He didn't need to walk down the Roman road. What he needed was God's prevenient grace that is shown to all of us, that grace that goes before us, even in a hospital room, even when you're dying of cancer, that wonderful grace of God, and he responded to it. So yeah, that's what we're talking about, peace with God. He probably couldn't have quoted Romans 5.1, but it's exactly what happened to him. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he experienced, peace with God. But the fruit of the Spirit, when we talk about peace... It's not that salvation peace, peace with God. Rather, it's what we would call that sanctifying peace. So when the Spirit fills us, infuses us, we're in step with the Spirit, aligned with the Spirit, we are living by the Spirit, all those things that Paul says, then the outcome, one of the expressions of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all the rest, one of the expressions is this peace, the peace of of God. It's the peace that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. Last week, we, we looked at Philippians 4 when Paul, we were talking about joy, and, and, we, and we quoted Paul in 4.4 4 where he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, not sometimes, not occasionally, not even frequently, always. Remember, Paul's sitting in a Roman prison, not knowing if he's going to live or die the next day. And yet he's still saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you missed what I just said, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Wonderful. How could he say that? He's in a Roman prison. He goes on to say this. Let your gentleness be evident to all. We're going to get to gentleness in a few weeks. The Lord is near. We just sang about it. Jesus is coming again. And then he says this. This is what I want you to get. Do not be anxious about anything. He's sitting in a Roman prison writing these words. But in every situation, he's sitting in a Roman prison not knowing if he's going to live or die. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and what will happen? And the peace of God. Even when you're in a Roman prison, 
even when you should be chaotic, even when you should have, have all these things and be in a jumbled and emotional mess. Instead, Paul says, the peace of God that transcends all understanding. This does not make sense. It transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds with Christ Jesus. That's what he's saying. When trouble comes, how do we handle it? What do we do? Let's get real practical. So you walk into the doctor's office, and the doctor uses the C word, cancer. Says you've got a tumor. Says it may require a surgery and radiation, maybe even chemotherapy. And he dumps all of that right on you. And what do you do? I've, I've, I've had a little experience dealing with folks who have heard that word cancer. I've watched it for the last 14 months with my friend Lisa, who's watching at home. Hello, Lisa. She's going to come today. Couldn't make it. Hello, Lisa. We know what cancer's about. And you're human, of course, when you get that word. For her, it was December 18th, 2019. Her number should have been, you know, four to six months was all she had to live. Did I just say it's been four years ago? It's been four years ago plus. Of course, when you're, you're human, you're going to hear those words. And, and no doubt your first thought is, oh my goodness. But you really have two options. You can, you can approach and say, oh, well, this is the worst news. What am I going to do? And you can fall into this vat of worry and, and, and anxiousness and, and so much anxiety. Or, except with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, do not be anxious about anything. Does anything include cancer? I guess it does. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests. That's what he's saying. It's not saying the trouble situation is over. It's not saying that, 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 that you know, there's nothing more that, that, that God can do. It's saying, I'm putting my trust in you. It's, it's praying, okay, Lord, I just got some really bad news. This is a biggie. But, Lord, you were with me when... We were going through that financial problem, and you helped us through that. And when my kid was, was, was just doing all sorts of terrible things, you were with us then, and you saw us through. And, and Lord, you were with me when I had that problem or this situation or that circumstance, so I don't know why you wouldn't be with me here. And so, Lord, I'm just going to have to trust in you. That's, how, that's what we're talking about here. Here, Paul's saying your part in whatever that situation is to present those requests to God. A, B, with thanksgiving. God's part, the peace of God, the presence of God, the, the glory of God will come. And what will he do? Not only does he come and, and in his presence there, but his protection, he will guard you and heart your mind. It's, well, it reminds me of when, when my boys were young, I took them to a wonderful place, a beautiful place, a glorious place. It's on the corner of Michigan Avenue and Trumbull in Detroit. 
Some of you know that place, the old Tiger Stadium. Oh, my boys were young then. I think the, the last game was played in 1999, so Ben would have been uh, a four, and Alex would have been seven or eight. And, and we went there, paint peeling, urinals, our troughs. You know, it's just a bad, it was a pillars. Sometimes you're behind pillars. But I take my boys there, and I knew. I knew what would have to happen for us to have a great day. The Tigers would need to win. We'd need to eat a lot of ballpark franks. They plump when you cook them. And, you know, it'd be nice if we got a, 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 a ball, a foul ball. And I had to take both boys home with me. <laughs> you know, I knew. I knew it wouldn't be a great day. I, we could go home and I could say, listen, Carla, baby, we had a great day. The Tigers won. Woohoo! It was a great time. We ate so many hot dogs. It was awesome, wonderful. We even got a foul ball. It was great. And I got one out of the two boys are here with us. I only lost one. That's pretty good. For that not to happen, what I say? I said, boys, you know, you know, back then, Detroit Tiger Stadium wasn't in the greatest neighborhood. Boys, hold on to my hand. Don't let go. So I go in. I think that's what happens when, when we have the peace of God at work in us. It's saying, Lord, Lord is saying, Rob, just hold on to my hand. We're going to see it through. Just hold on. Don't give up. I know, it's, I know the news is bad. You're, you're human, right? We get bad news. We know it's bad. It's saying, don't give up. Hold on. We'll see you through. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying we can trust him. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, whatever is going on, trust him always. You know that passage in, in Galatians 5 Paul is talking to the folks and he's given the fruit of the spirit and just before that he gives some versions called the act of the sinful nature sometimes it's referred to as the acts of the flesh that's really the antithesis of, of this fruit of the spirit that can be at work in our lives and he says the acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality impurity debauchery idolatry witchcraft hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambitions dissensions factions envy drunkenness orgies and the like Whew, bad list. I, I, I broke it down into really three. Misplaced devotion, witchcraft, adultery. Misplaced desires, that would be sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, drunkenness, orgies. But the one I think that peace most is attacked from is those misplaced demeanors on the list. Uh, can you have peace with hatred? No. Discord? No. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition? No, no, no. Dissensions, factions, envy? No. There's no peace in any of those things. You know, you've seen it. You've watched YouTube videos, you know, of road rage happening on the highway. You think, oh, my land. Usually it's innocent people that get hurt in those, those cases. There's no peace there. You, you've been around when there's been jealousy or selfish ambition or envy when people are that way, there's no peace there. Maybe some of you have been where there's been factions. That even happens in churches where people get all, you know, bent out of shape and, and have factions and start gossiping and all the rest. There's no peace there. And Paul is very strong about that. He says in verse 24, those who live like this, those faction causers, those dissenters, those, 
selfish ambition or envy. Those who live like this, serious, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Whew. Some of you have been a part of church splits or people who've gotten bent out of shape. I think the worst one that I ever heard about was in Mayfield, Kentucky um, in the late 1800s. And uh, it was at a Baptist church and the one deacon, these two deacons were, you know, causing factions. They each had their side and they never agreed and they were always angry. And one of those deacons came to church one Sunday and put a peg on the back wall of the church for the preacher to put his hat on. I don't even wear a hat very often to church, so I guess we don't need any peg putter honors. And, and so the, the other deacon came in and he was all bent out of shape that he wasn't consulted about the peg and this caused people to again uh, gather sides and one group just left, they left. They started their own Baptist church and they named it the Anti-Peg Baptist Church. Stupid. And you've been a part, some of you have been a part of dissensions and factions and junk that even can happen in the church and there's, there's no peace there. There's hurt. Sometimes there's PTSD there, you know, afterwards. You don't even like it. It brings up such a jumbled mess of emotions. We're talking about the peace of God that comes not through, through, through gritting your teeth, but comes through being filled with the Spirit. See, that's the goal here. Filled with the Spirit, in step with the Spirit, lined up with the Spirit, so that we might experience this peace of God that transcends all understanding. Glory. Now some of, you, some of you here are probably saying, well, listen, Pastor, I know I'm at peace with God. I've experienced that salvation peace. I'm at peace with God. But honestly, sometimes, sometimes I don't feel very much peace of God. And there are robbers of that peace. You know, sometimes it's, it's sin, for sure. Those acts of the sinful nature, for sure. But sometimes it's, it's the sin in others that disrupt our peace. It's just life circumstances that can disrupt our peace. What do we do? One of my favorite stories in the New Testament is in, in Mark chapter 9. I've talked about it before. It's the story where the, the kid that was just so disturbed. He was nonverbal. He uh, was into self, was in, would, would self-harm, fall into fires, get rigid. And this dad, his dad, brought him to the disciples so that they might heal this kid. But the disciples couldn't do it. And so he takes him to Jesus. And as soon as he's with Jesus, the boy starts to convulse. And Jesus says, how long has this been going on? And the guy says, oh, since he was, since he was a baby. And then the dad says this. He says, but take, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus responds and says, if you can, well, everything is possible for the one who believes. And Jesus immediately heals, heals the kid. That's this powerful story, but I think about, I think about what, what that dad said to Jesus, Right? Maybe he's heard about Jesus, maybe he hasn't. Apparently he has. He's talked to his disciples. But do you notice what he said? If you can. It would have been a whole lot better if he would have said, since you can. Since you've worked miracles in the past, since I've heard what you've done, you know, in Capernaum or, or, or throughout Galilee, since you've even raised the dead, since you can do that, can you help my boy? 
Now, he doesn't say since, he says if. In fact, in the Greek, it's much more uh, uh, doubtful. If you can, if you can, and I don't think you can. That's what he's saying. If you can, and I think this one's out of your league. If you can. And notice what he says, too. He doesn't say, help my son. That's what you'd expect him to say, help my boy. He's in trouble. He needs help. Help my boy. He doesn't say that. What does he say? Help us. And every parent who's had a sick child or a wayward child or a troubled child can associate with that dad because it's not just the kid. No matter how old your son or daughter is, they could be in their 40s and making lousy choices, and it cuts you right to the heart. You understand where this dad is coming from. If you can, Jesus, would you help us? We need you. And you know what happens, right? Jesus does this miracle. And afterwards, the disciples, they're scratching their head. Remember, they went to, this guy and his son went to the disciples first. They couldn't do it. They couldn't help him. And so the disciples go to Jesus and say, Jesus, what happened here? And Jesus responds in, in verse 29 is simply this. This kind can only come out by prayer. It's got to be prayer. And so my question from this story, who prayed? Disciples, apparently, they didn't pray. And Jesus, Jesus doesn't pray. Sometimes Jesus prays before he heals somebody, right? Sometimes that happens. But Jesus doesn't pray here. Who prayed? Only one answer that I can find. It had to be that dad's lousy prayer. If you can do anything, Jesus, help us. The power of prayer is not in the person that prays it. The power of prayer is the one who hears it. And so you can pray a lousy prayer. You can pray, you can pray a two-word prayer. Oh, God, he knows what's going on. He knows where your heart is. He can work in all situations. What does Paul say? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that transcends understanding, you should be a mess. You should be a jumble of mess. But the peace of God transcends all understanding can come and guard your hearts and minds don't you want that some of you are going through mess right now and you say pastor I've got the peace with God I just don't have the peace of God God wants to do a work deep in you that can bring peace even in the midst of the worst storm He wants to bring a peace in you that will overflow, not just in you, but in your household, in your city, in your school, in your workplace, all around. Because we serve a God of peace. Oh, God's, God's promise to you is that he'll be with you. God's pleasure for you is when you have peace that transcends all understanding. And I told you the last part, is God's will, God's plan for us is peace on earth. Remember the angels when, when Jesus was born. Remember what they said in Luke chapter 2? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. The peace of God. Peace on earth. Pastor, that can't happen. 
Okay, okay, do you know what's going on in our city, in our country? It's very not a lot of peace. You see what's happening in our world? My goodness, there's a war in Ukraine. Not a lot of peace. Peace on earth? Impossible. If that's what you're saying, then hear this. Your God is too small. Because I believe God can bring peace on earth. He taught us what we pray around here all the time. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in Flint, as it is in heaven. Don't you think God wants peace in Flint? Of course he does. Don't you think God wants peace on earth? Of course he does. How does that happen? What did Jesus say? Blessed are the peacemakers. For what? They'll be called the children of God. I'm not asking you to fly to Ukraine to make peace. I'm asking you to make peace in your house. Make peace at your school. Make peace at your workplace. Make peace wherever you go. And God will bless and God will work and God will bring his glorious peace. All right, let's circle back around. But pastor, I don't have peace in my situation. I'm not experiencing much peace today. I know I've made peace with God and I want peace on earth. But that peace of God has been eluding me lately. Do you remember what Paul says in in that passage in Philippians? He's writing to, this goes without saying, the people of Philippi. What was Philippi? It was a military town. It was a Roman garrison. That's where, that's where there, were, there were soldiers in and out of there. You couldn't enter Philippi without passing checkpoints. Think of, think of you know, the West Bank. You have to go through a checkpoint. Make sure you're okay. That's the way Philippi was. So when Paul is talking about how this peace that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind. Those people of Philippi, they knew a thing or two about guarding. Nothing came into Philippi without passing first by those guards. Nothing will happen to you without first passing through God Almighty. Who? The God of peace. What? The God that wants to bring peace to you. How? Through the, being infilled with the Holy Spirit, enabling you to experience peace that transcends all understanding. That's what we're talking about today. Do you have peace? Deep in your heart, Peace. The peace of God. And we're here today. It's time to go. But Joel and family, an extra family member, they're going to sing this song about peace. And so I guess what I'm asking is they're singing, you need to take a look in the mirror. Say, am I experiencing the peace of God today? In the circumstances that I'm dealing with, can I honestly say I've got the peace of God? And if the answer is no, then I, can I call you to pray and seek the Lord, not just, not just for that peace, but for the filling of the Holy Spirit that brings about peace, that enables peace, that gives you peace that passes all, transcends all understanding. Why don't you stand and sing along or come down here and pray if you need the peace of God in your circumstance.